the scripture today comes from Mark um, chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. I'm going to be reading from the New International uh, Version of the Bible. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unpure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Buenos dias. I'm happy to be here and sharing with uh, all of you this morning. Um, this passage, uh, I wanted to share a little bit how this passage just came to my heart and uh, how difficult it was for me just to even, you know, share about this passage. Uh, it's been a few months back. I think Pastor Dave was on a sabbatical uh, back then and. I was just driving and just kind of like, it came to my mind, like, you know, like, this story of this woman. And I was, why? Why is it like, what's going on with this? I actually didn't remember the passage, so I looked it up, and I was, oh, it's Mark. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) And then I read the passage, and I just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why, you know, maybe it was something random that just happened, right? But, uh... A few uh, days later, I met with one of the guest speakers. It was going to speak uh, like um, the following like uh, Sunday or something like that. And he's like, I want to know, Pastor, what is it that is in your heart? What is it that God has been like telling you? And I was like, well, I'm glad you asked because I actually, there's something that God has been telling me that I just don't know what it is. And I shared with this person, you know, it's Mark 7, uh, 24, 30, like about the story of this woman. And he was oh. I think that's too hard to, to do. I'm just going to let Pastor Day, when he comes back, he can share that. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, that, that, that's fine, that's fine. And I'm like, um, but I, as this person was telling me, like, ah, it is a really hard passage to talk about. And why is it that it's still in my heart? Why is it that it's still, what is it that God you're doing? And if you all know, we're in this series, is like a spirit-led, right? So before we jump into the, um, the scripture, I will ask you to join me in prayer because I actually don't know what God is going to do in our hearts this morning. What is it that God has for us? There's something that I've been asking and I actually haven't had any response. So it's like, oh, okay. And on top of that, this morning we have a lot of people that is new. And a lot of people that it's like, you know, from the church is not here. They're probably online. I'm sure you guys are online. But it's even harder for me. Like, your first experience coming to this church will be about this passage. So, 
So I also pray that, you know, God has something for you this morning, and it will be good, refreshing, and then you can, you know, take something that God is going to put in your heart. So uh, would you join me in prayer? Father God, we just come with open hearts, open minds, that uh, your word is the one who just speaks, like, very powerful, like, in a powerful way, in a kind way, in a loving way, into all of our hearts. I just pray that uh, your spirit can just lead us, that we can see what you have for us in this, like, time, in this season of our lives. Thank you, God, because you care so much for all of us. And I pray that um, your spirit can just like uh, fill us up with joy and peace and love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, most of you know my name is Magdiel. I'm one of the pastors here at Renew. I've been, uh, we've been here for four years, and I've been part of the church for actually almost seven years. I was just thinking about that. I was like, wow, seven years, it goes by, like, so quick, right? But um, March 7, 2430, what is it that, that, how is it that makes you feel when you read a passage like this, difficult? It's like Jesus has been, you know, hurtful to this woman. That she was in, in distress. She was seeking for help. It was a mother who was asking about her daughter who was, you know, have this bad spirit. And it was also hard for me to use even title this like sermon. What is it that I what kind of towel would you put in this? Like Jesus was kind of a bit like rough, or like you know, raw, like his his words were just like Difficult to, to digest. But what is it that God is like telling us through this story? We learn from the passage that she was a woman and they're from Assyrian descendants, especially from this place called Phoenicia. And this place is 50 miles from where Jesus' ministry was supposed to start. So Jesus was really kind of like far away from the place of his ministry. The reason why, we just don't know. It doesn't tell us more about the story or the reason that Jesus had to go to this town. But we know that it was something in Jesus' heart that took him to this place. And he also didn't want to be noticed in the town. Because the, you know, the passage says that he, was, he didn't want anyone to know that he was there. But obviously, knowing what Jesus has been doing, the miracles he's been doing, and who he was, it didn't took long for people to notice his presence, for people to know that Jesus was there. So when this woman, when this woman find out, the first thing she did is she, she went and looked for Jesus because she needed something. And out of desperation and out of you know, love for her daughter, she went and seek Jesus. And she found Jesus. So we learn on the, through the, this passage that she went on, on verse 27. I'm sorry, verse 26. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And then Jesus replied, First let the children eat all they want. 
he told her, For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. When I read that, I was like, wow, that's, that's really hard. But uh, Jesus has a purpose, right, for doing things. He just didn't do things like random. Uh, but there are some stories that we can relate to stories, right? There are some stories in the Bible that, oh, that's good. That's really uplifting. I can relate to that. You know, I went through something like that, and that's really good. And there are some stories that you just don't relate to those stories. And my question is, like, do we relate to this story? Do we see this woman's need for Jesus? Do we relate to, you know, the desperate need that she had? Not only for her, but for her daughter. I can't really imagine as a mother, as a father, as someone who has, you know, a kid, going through this. The Bible doesn't say if she had a husband, that she was a single mom. Nothing at all. But just for the fact that she was there, and she was Greek, she was against all the laws on earth, especially the Jews. Remember, she was a Gentile. And what was it, you know, between Jews and Gentiles? It was always something, you know, they were less. Gentiles were always less. It was only the Jews who, you know, had the status and don't talk to me. Especially Jesus. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. You know, he wasn't alone there. He was with probably some of his disciples. Then this woman, it was, she was on a mission. She knew, she knew what she needed, and she just wanted Jesus to help her. And what would Jesus respond? I really believe that Jesus knew her heart. Jesus knew what she was going through. And even then, he responds was really hard. But you know, I love this woman's response. Because through that, we see how she reacts to Jesus' response. And what did she say? Tony Nye says, then... Uh, then he told her, for such reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. What was her reply? Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And that's, that's the specific word that I was just hearing. You know, uh, you, Jesus' crumbs are just more than enough. But I still didn't understand what that means. So we know. Now we have kind of the facts, what happened in the story. She was a woman in desperate need, but she had like faith. Sometimes how does like faith look like for all of us? Have you been in a moment that you're really desperate, you know, that you, you need to have a lot of faith to go through whatever you're going through in life? And then to ask Jesus to help you through that? So, all the gospel... The stories tell us something about Jesus' character, right? We see through the Gospels who Jesus is, his love and compassion for people, how he really helps people when they're going through difficult times. But then the first point that we hear from Jesus was kind of like, no, I'm not going to help you. And then this woman responded to Jesus wasn't, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave, you know, I'm giving up. She didn't give up. She told Jesus how she f- felt 
and that moment and that specific time for her of desperate need because her daughter was um, possessed. She had a bad spirit. So after all this story, she went home and for her children laying on bed and this bad spirit was gone. So that's the story of this morning, but it doesn't end there. What is the purpose of this? So at the beginning I said that I have no idea what this really means, right? Not because I don't know the history of the Bible and what is it the you know, Jews and Gentiles, you know, the difficulties that they had. It wasn't any of that. So I don't want to confuse you or anything like that, but this is taking me to a whole different like, uh, path. When we see the desperate need and we, we say things in desperation, asking God for something, asking Jesus for something, how do we do that? The first thing that we learn is that this woman has faith, which is great. We all need that when we really are in desperate need and we really want something from Jesus. But how did she ask this? This is a question that many for a lot of us is still kind of like a, an answer. We just don't know. Um, so have, have you ever asked yourself that? And if you haven't, I'm going to share a personal story that I actually hesitate to share because it's been like really... I, it's not that I, I don't think it's valuable, but I feel like, you know, it's really personal. Like when it's personal, you just don't feel sharing it. And that was the reminder of this for me. And I finally understood why. So I think the story is pretty clear about this woman who was seeking Jesus' help. And she got it. But the way she got it is how powerful the story is. I said that she didn't give up. I say that she was in desperate need. And she cried out to Jesus' feet for what she needed. So how many of us, when we are really desperate, really cry out Jesus' feet for what we need? And that's when my story comes. So I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, I think I have shared you know, some of my stories, how I came to the U.S. You know, I'm from Tijuana, Mexico. Came here on a visa to study. I did college a little bit and then went back home. And I didn't want to do anything with the U.S. Same as my brother. He's back there. Like, uh, he's like, you know, I'm done too. And I'm going to stay home and, you know, just to follow Jesus here. But it was always something that God was, like, telling me, like, you need to go back. I said, no, I don't. I don't. I don't need to go back. You know, it's great to visit. It's just great to be a tourist. But I think it's totally different to live there. I don't think that's my place. Anyway, I remember that I was looking for a job uh, after I went back, and it was hard. It was hard to find a job for, that I really, you know, can bring about my skills and, and you know, my, everything that I have learned, and especially in Tijuana. So uh, I remember that I went to this place, and I didn't really, really like it. I was, I'm not going to be working for a big company. I just don't like that. That's, that's not me. And, uh, but God, I feel like God was telling me, you know, I want you to work here. I said, no, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and like, how hard is that to understand? Like, 
Just stay here. Okay. So I apply for this job, and then I start from the bottom. Like, I was just one of the many workers that were there. And then in six months, it wasn't, this is not because of my ability. I'm, I'm saying that this is God allowed me to learn and to just thrive in a place that it wasn't really meant for me. It was the first time that I've been outside, you know, my, my, my really, like, environment. You know, I grew up in a Christian uh, home. My parents are pastors. So the only thing that I knew was about church. And I was really afraid that this, like, new place with non-believers, it will change me and change who I am. Which little that I know, like, did I really knew who I was back then? Eh? <laughs> like, probably not. But this, this says me, like, I always have that relationship with God. And probably you guys have the same thing, right? You know who God is. You know your, what you believe. So I hear from God, I need to be here. I stay there. And in a matter of six months, I went from being a regular worker to a supervisor. For that to happen, especially in a new place, it's crazy. It's kind of like a miracle, especially in Mexico. Whoever gets to those positions, they never leave those positions. You always stay there until basically you die, you know, because you don't want to leave that kind of like good job. But for me, it was like, you know, it was a blessing, but, you know, I, I, I can go either way. I can just leave. So in that moment of my life, I realized that I was very comfortable. I was making good money. You know, I was in charge of people. People actually listened to me. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and I just didn't want to live. But you know what happened? This is the bad part of that. I started drifting apart from God because I thought that it was because of me. You know, this happened because I'm smart. This happened because I can speak two different languages. So I basically was like, wow, I'm pretty good with this. So I, I start forgetting my relationship with God was just drifting apart. And I noticed that towards the end, I spent there three years almost. And I just didn't feel like I was connected with God. And I was, what is my faith? You know, what is it that I, you're like, God, you told me to come here and I'm here. And then I just don't feel your presence anymore. For me, it was like a desperate moment of my life. And this is not even the good part of the story. Just wait until you hear the rest. <laughs> So what is it that my young self was thinking about it? Well, you know what? Things are fine, so we just keep moving forward. I stopped going to church. I stopped, you know, doing ministry, helping my parents. So like, I'm good. I'm just going to enjoy this time of my life and just keep moving. And little did I know, it was months that I didn't hear anything from God, right? I share that. And then I hear this, you need to go back to the U.S. And I was, wow, wow, wow. I haven't heard from you, and the first thing I hear is, like, go back. Like, like basically quit your job and move. And I was, I'm not going to quit my job. It's a great job. I, I, I believe this is the place that I need to stay. And I also think that I, the, the other thing that I heard besides that, it was like, and you're not going alone. I was like, I'm not going alone. Now, see your brother over there? I was like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's doing his thing. He's going to go with you. I was, what? No, 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 no. I always like to do things by myself. And little that I know, I was like, I asked my brother, I said, hey, uh, you know what, um, I'm going to Washington. Would you like to come with me? He was, no. 
I'm like, well, see, he doesn't want to go. <laughs> see, I told you he doesn't want to go. And uh, for like a month, I was struggling with that. I finally asked again, do you want to go with me? He said, no. I said, no, I'm not going to go. And my brother is the kind of person who says no, it's a no, flat no. And I was, okay, like, again, he, he doesn't want to go. I don't want to go either. We should stay. <laughs> and he still, it was just going through my mind again, ask. And I ask again, do you want to go with me? Say, yes. Okay, so I bought the tickets the same day. And then that evening I told him, you know, we're leaving in like a month. He goes, what? What, what just happened? Like, you said yes. And I bought the tickets. And he goes, oh, yeah, I remember. I said, yes, see? There's no going back. So we flew from uh, San Diego to Washington, and I think we arrived here on a Monday. By that same week, on a Friday, it was my friend's uh, birthday, and we went to Easter, Washington. And, and the, the first thing that you know, went through my mind when I was trying to share this story, I actually didn't want me to be the one about this story or my family, but I want to make sure that people know that this is about God and how when you have faith, everything that you do will work because that's how God plans things. And even when you don't know, you just have to trust him. And this is why it's important to have faith even in desperate times. So many of you know, people that have here, uh, during that trip, um, we were in the Columbia River and many friends showed up and family and we have a lot of fun. And then the last day, uh, everybody left. And the only ones who stayed, it was my friend, my friend's mom, and my friend's uh, mom's uh, friend. <laughs> so, uh, and my brother and I. So it was the five of us. And this is like, a, uh, it was in Vintage. So it was really small. It's a really small area. There is not a lot of people. It, just, it was just the five of us. That's it. And then we were like, my brother was learning to swim, and we were spending time together and having fun. And then all of a sudden, you know, another, another couple showed up, and another like couple showed up. So at the end, it was like another like at least seven other people. Uh, it was a small like uh, family, you know, the parents and probably two, three kids. I actually don't remember that well. And they were there. So we went for our last swim. And then this is, this is the crazy part of the story. Uh, I told my brother we was going to swim across to the other side. We were in the dock, and it was like, you swim across. I'm like, okay. So we started swimming, and I don't know what happened. He said, I'm going back. I said, where, where are you going to go back? We were like maybe like 50 feet away. It wasn't that far. I said, I'm going back. And then the first thing I noticed, he just went down. I was like, wow, wow, he's in trouble. So I swim close to him. And the first thing that he does, this is really like, uh, I can say this, you know, really makes me like mad. He pushed me away. I was trying to help him out. He pushed me away. And then he went the second time. When he pushed me away, obviously, we were apart, right? And that was then the third time he went down. I swim as fast as I can, and I try to grab him, and only my, my fingers not even touch his head. And I see him how he, it's kind of like he passed out. He went all the way to the bottom of the river. And I was, this is not happening. 
what is going on? I, I don't know. I, I felt like, like really, my heart was like broken pieces. And I was like, what is going on, God? The first thing I did, I was in the water. And I look up and say, God, what are you doing? You just told me like, like, like a couple months ago that we need to come here for a purpose, for a reason. And, and this is the reason? I was actually complaining to God. And then, obviously, the second thought in my mind was like, I need to ask for help. And I scream on top of my lungs as hard as I could, like, help. And all these people came, which was weird that there's all these people just hanging out, like, near us. And my friend heard that, and she starts swimming back, and she was like, what happened? My brother just went down. And she, she swam. She tried to pull him out, and she couldn't. And then uh, I was just freaking out. I wasn't, uh, maybe it wasn't one of my best moments, but I was just freaking out. And my only thought it was like, this is my fault. This is, this is something that if I wouldn't ask him to come with me, it wouldn't happen, right? So in between the blame and between all of that, what was going on, time was running by, like really quick. And um, I, I started to panic in, and I was, you know, I better get out of the water. Otherwise, I'm also going to drown. So I went to the shore, and I remember that I started praying to God. And I started saying a lot of things. But the phrase that I remember the most was this. And like, I know I'm a man who makes mistakes. I know... I'm a man who needs you now more than ever. And I'm sure anyone who is going through this moment with desperate need will make deals with you, God. It will say, you know, I will do this, I will do that. And I know on the bottom of my heart that whatever deal I'll make with you, since I'm a man, I would probably fail to that. I would probably forget I would probably do something different. I would probably just don't do what I said. And, and I didn't hear anything. It was silence. And that was even worse for me. Because when you love someone, that you really love someone like Jesus, he was your creator, and you hear nothing. It's just, and your heart is just kind of like, oh, where are you? I know you're present. I know you can see me. And I need you more than ever. My life has been, you know, struggles like all of you. But I always have the sense that no matter what I go through, I know he's with me and nothing, nothing it's going to be, you know, everything that I, that I go through, I know God will help me out. And even in difficult times, even when it's hard, I still ask for that peace in my heart, which in that moment I didn't have. And that was the reason that I was freaking out. Because I thought it was my fault. You know, I drifted apart from God and kind of like, God, ah, he might be punished me for this. You know, it's a lot of things that go through your mind when you're like, like in something similar to that. 
But in that desperation, time was running by. My brother spent on that bottom of that river, at least we now can say, from 10 to 15 minutes. And I knew in my heart that he was dead. I didn't hear that from God, but I just knew it. And, and I would still continue to talking to God. I was like, where are you? Don't you know that, you know, he's three younger than me. And back then, I think I was like 25, so he was 22. I was, you know, he's the most kind person that I know. I have done some stuff. I know that. But he hasn't. I, I think, you know, if we see it like, he's your favorite. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and why are you doing that to him? It couldn't be me. Why not me? I think I deserve that. I think it was my fault to like all this is happening, but it's still no response. And that was something that usually was killing me in the inside. Because I know that God loves all of us. He cares for us. He cares about, you know, our struggles. So I finally just didn't know what to say. It's like I say prayers. I ask God about this, about that. But I was sure that I was not going to make any promise that I'm not going to be able to hold up to and then all of a sudden, I see this, this man. He was maybe like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he was a tall guy. And then his wife and two, three kids. And the wife was speaking a different language. And she said something, and this guy just reacted. He just like jumped into the water and just went down. And, he's, and he said that he couldn't pull out my brother. Like maybe he was heavy. I don't know. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And then he tried like a couple times. He just, I just can't do it. It just, he said, no, it's no way. Because we couldn't understand what he was saying. And my friend was like begging him, can you try one more time? Because my friend was there the whole time. Well, I was just in my prayer, panic, whatever mode I was. And um, nothing. So we did have help. None of that help really helped. And I was just, this is it. I need to, to think what I'm going to say to my family back in Mexico, you know. And nobody knows my brother here because I just brought him here. We haven't even been to the church that we were supposed to go because uh, we're not even a week in the U.S. So this is just not happening. This is just crazy. So I remember the second time that he try, he was just like, you know, kind of floating in the area that we thought my brother was. And I just hear this from God the first time, and for me the longest time, as he said this to me, I have called you and your brother, and I'm be the one who's going to pull him out of the water. And I was, What? And it was really strong and really like, it was like something that I knew it was going to be fine. That kind of like sense of relief in your heart. And as soon as that ended, the guy went down one more time. And he was between my friend who was farted and me. And he came out with my brother in the middle, like right in the middle. And the first thing that I see is my brother's face. I don't remember the guy's face, but I saw my brother's face. And when he came out of the water, 
his, his head was going in and out of the water because obviously he, he passed out. He was, but that was not the interesting part. The interesting part is his face. He was so white, and if you met him, he's, not, he's brown, dark as me. <laughs> so uh, he was white, and I was, he, he, he's dead. There's no way that he's alive. And you just told me that you have purpose for me, for him, and then you're the one who's going to pull him out. That your hand will pull him out of those waters. And as you know what? I got to have faith. I don't know where you're going with this. But my mind is just playing with me and tricking me, and I'm so confused. And I don't know. They pull him out. They brought him to the shore. And my friend, my friend is a nurse, and uh, she works in the ICU, like with, you know, obviously with dramatic like things. And she, she was feeling her, my brother's pulse, and she said, "Oh, he still have a pulse." But I know my friend really well, and she just was wanting me to know that it was gonna be fine. But my brother had no pulse, and little that I know, the guy and the guy's wife, they were also nurses. And uh, they were checking on him, nothing. They started doing CPR, nothing happened. So uh, once again, I say, well, God, you, you pull him out of the water. Can you do something about this? Like, you know, continue. Like, and nothing. Again, I didn't hear anything. And those moments of desperation, I say, my faith, what is it that happened to me? What is it that, God, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you want to show me? I really need you right now. And my heart was still broken. Because I knew my brother was dead. It's like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. So finally, my friend, they did CPR, nothing worked. We were there for another like five, ten minutes. Nothing was working. And my friend, finally, she just, like, grabbed her wrist, like, and really, like, I, I remember how she went, like, as hard as she can, punch my brother's chest, like, a couple of times, and then my brother just spills all the water, and his face went back to normal, brown, not white. <laughs> so, he didn't, he didn't know where he was. He didn't know what he was saying. He was saying something weird. I actually didn't understand. He, was, he wasn't talking Spanish or English. He was just maybe mumbling, same something. And then uh, this, this family was there with us. Uh, when my brother was waking up, and he said, what's going on? Where am I? Where am I? I was like, you just had an accident, and it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. He said, no, no, where am I? Where am I? It's like, I told him, you know, we're in this river, Columbia River, we're in Washington. Don't worry about it. Just, just relax. And as soon as I turned to thank this, to give, you know, thank you to this guy, him and his wife and his, like, two, three kids were gone. And we're talking about this is a place, this all the way down to the, you know, bottom where the river is. And to be able to go back to the parking, you have to go to a steep, like, uh, hill and all the way to the top. So you can see whoever's coming down or whoever's going up. It was no way that this family couldn't walk that fast, get to their car and leave, because you can see everything from, from the bottom of that place. They were gone. I never got the chance to say thank you for what you did for, for me and my brother. 
And then, I think I took longer with the story, sorry. Uh, and then after that, my brother was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go to the hospital. And I said, no, you need to go. You need to go to the hospital because we need to, you know, they need to check how, how you're doing. You, you were there for a long time, little that he knew, right? Like, he was there for a long time. So the ambulance actually just came like half an hour, exactly half an hour later. And when they say, well, where is the body? I'm like, well, he's here. They say, oh, this is, this is so strange. Like, every time we got a call, we show up. It, it, the, the nearest hospital is like 30 minutes away, which is, uh, I don't remember the place of that city, of that town. Um, he said, we have never pulled anyone alive from the river. Wow. I was, what? No? Well, well, he's the first one, so praise God for that. <laughs> and they took him to the hospital, and he spent three days there. The doctor said that his lungs were like an 80-year-old person who's been smoking his whole life. They were working just, I don't know how, what was the percentage, I forgot. But then uh, we went home after those three days, and the doctor told him, you're going to be, and you know, you're going to recover in like a few months, three to six months, who knows? It's going to take some time for you to go back to normal. Every time you're trying to walk, it's going to be hard. You're going to feel like you're running out of breath. And, you know, my brother, like, if you don't know him, he's like, oh, yeah, that's, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start doing things. <laughs> so the next day, because that was during the weekend, on Monday, he said, you know, I'm going to mound the yard and just going to chop some tricks. We were living in the woods in uh, Lake Bay. And he was, uh, as soon as he started walking, he ran out of breath. <gasps> And I see, you better listen to what the doctor is saying. <laughs> Don't be tough. And uh, the next day, he was running the treadmill like nothing happened. I was, what? What is going on? During, during that time, uh, I didn't have actually the, the time to process what was going on. Uh, it took me months. This is what I said. I haven't shared this with anyone. It took me months to really understand what God was doing in that time. Uh, the process of that, it was hard for me. But then when I read the actual story of this woman, I felt connected in a way. Because I was in desperate need just like her. I was in a desperate moment of my life that the only way, the only one who can actually help me out was Jesus. And I reached out with everything that I had out of faith because I didn't know if God was really going to you know, do that or not I could have blamed myself for that but God has a purpose always for all of our lives it doesn't matter what type of struggle you're going through it doesn't matter you know, how difficult you think it is with God by your side even the impossible is possible and that's the reminder for all of us this morning to see that especially in those desperate moments, God is still present. God is still moving and God is still showing us his love and his hand will walk us through whatever we're going through. So just to close, I want to say that the faith of this uh, woman, it was compelling uh, we recognize during this text that the gospel it's share a bunch of stories that tell us, you know, who God is. 
who Jesus is for us. So this morning, I want you just to meditate in that. I want you to, like, ask God to work in whatever is in your heart, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you know you, you need help from him, that you come to his feet in desperate need and ask him to be his, you know, your savior. And with abundance of love, God will do that for you. Jesus will help you and comfort you. So I'm going to close with that. And um, I hope you like the story. I took a little longer than I was expecting. (laughs) But uh, would you join in prayer this morning for the scripture and for this passage? God, thank you so much for everything you're doing in our lives, even in the midst of, um, you know, struggles or things that are happening. I pray that you can just touch our lives in a powerful way. I pray that you can lead us into what you have for all of us, even when we just don't know where we're going, even when we just don't know what's going to happen. I pray that all of us can trust in your presence can trust that you're the one who's leading this church. You're the one who's leading our lives. Thank you so much for the many, many ways that you're always showing us that you're present and that you care for us. Thank you so much for that, God. We praise you and we worship you. Amen.